I join with Monty and the other brethren this morning in welcoming you to the service. We're glad that you've chosen to come and worship with us. If you're here visiting, we're especially glad that you're here. We hope that you know that you are our honored guest, and we're glad that you have not only uh, been here, but we encourage you to come back at any time that you're able to come and be with us. There's a question there on the board that uh, is the purpose of our lesson this morning, and I'll ask you the question, are you hungry? You see, sometimes when you uh, see a question like that as we start a lesson, uh, it might seem a little cheesy. In fact, uh, a word that, that might uh, come to mind is rhetorical or hypothetical, but I assure you, the question this morning, are you hungry, is not rhetorical at all. I hope that not only as we go through this lesson this morning, that you'll ask yourself if you're hungry, but I hope uh, that when, you, uh, finish, when we finish this lesson this morning and as you leave this place and you go throughout the week, I hope you'll ask yourself, am I hungry? You ever thought about hunger? So that we understand just how important this question is to each one of us. You ever thought about hunger? You know what hunger does? Hunger changes a person. So, so let's get down to the basics of being hungry. What happens when you're hungry? You know, some people... When they get hungry, they get angry. In fact, uh, that's so common that we have a word now that's hangry. Some people get mean when they're hungry. I bet if you ask some of these teachers, especially teachers of young kids, they'll tell you that when a child is hungry, that child doesn't function well in school. Hunger makes you tired. Hunger truly changes a person. The Bible says in Matthew, the fifth chapter, in verse six, you know, as, as Jesus was starting his Sermon on the Mount, he gave the Beatitudes there, and he talks about a number of characteristics, and he talks about how important those characteristics are to you and I as Christians, to those who were hearing his words. And he said in Matthew, the fifth chapter, in verse six, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, Jesus used this term here, hungering and thirsting. And then he talked about a person who was filled. Let's think about hunger a little further based on what Jesus said here. When you're hungry or you're thirsty, what will fill you? You ever thought about that? You know, I wonder if you walked up to a child who was in school and he hadn't eaten and he was hungry and you said, hey, here's a pencil so you can do your work. I wonder if that would satisfy I wonder if that would fill him up. I mean, it's giving him something, right? You ever thought of that? When you're really hungry and you can't think and you're angry. I wonder if I came up and I said, you know what? To give is good. Here's, here's a new car. I wonder if that would take your hunger away. You know, to be humorous, we would like to say, well, I'd take it wouldn't make me hungry anymore, right? Well, let's be realistic. Esau in the scriptures, gave away his birthright. Why? You know, the fact is that, that when you're hungry or you're thirsty, that which cures hunger and thirst is the only thing that will fill you, that will satisfy you, that will calm the mean and the angry and the loud. You know, before I went to law school, I worked in a jail for four and a half years, got to be around inmates, Test me on this one. Go look it up. Google it. See if it's true. 
Lots of studies done that said this, if you want to start, stop fights among inmates, you feed the inmates. You ever thought about that? You know what hungry men do when they're in a cage? They fight one another. You fill those same men up with food, and guess what? There's not near as much fight. Think about a newborn baby. I wonder how many mothers here taught their newborn babies that when they're hungry, they just need to cry. Were you mothers? Did, did any of you sit with that newborn? When that newborn was right there in your arms, and for those first few months, did you teach it that it needed to cry when it was hungry? No. The baby taught us. The baby taught you that it knew when it was hungry, it had to make some noise, and it had to get your attention, and it had to go after it. You see, that newborn baby, there was something in that newborn baby that said, there's only one thing that's going to calm this pain. There's only one thing that's going to calm this need. There's only one thing that's going to calm this desire, and I've got to make it known. I've got to make it known that I want that one thing that'll calm that need, that'll calm that desire. Let me ask you this. If we truly understand hunger, and certainly most, if not all of us, understand hunger. Uh, some of you might be hungry right now, and you're going, I hope Franklin will just finish this quickly. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you hungered after righteousness? You know, there have been times in my life when I hungered for a job, when I hungered for an education, when I hung hungered for that degree, when I hungered for a car. When I hungered for a house, I had a real desire for it. I had a real want. You know, Jesus said, blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. You know, we talked about that newborn baby. And that newborn baby, there's something innate in a newborn that says... When there's only one thing that will fulfill a need or a want or desire, you've got to make it known to get that one thing. And Peter said it this way, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. I want you to notice what Peter says. Peter says what Jesus said. Jesus said, blessed are they which thirst or hunger, hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Paul said, you know, there's an envy, an innate envy in each one of us. He said, put, put away the malice, put away the guile, put away the hypocrisies and the envies. I want you to notice what each one of those Things that he says put away has to do. If you get down to the root of all of those things which Peter said, put those away. All of those have to deal with me and my desires and my wants and my needs and my desire for me to fill them. You see that? Anger and envy. That means I've decided that I can fulfill my desires and my needs. But here's what Peter said. Peter said, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. 
What is desire here? I'm not certain that desire in this context actually fits how strongly Peter is speaking. You know what Peter was saying when he said desire? If you look up that word, it means a longing for. In fact, one of the translation is to lust after. This is a strong word. We understand what it's like to be hungry for lunch. We understand what it's like to work hard and to miss a meal and know things aren't going to go good if we don't get something in our belly. A baby knows when it's got that pain. Cry long enough and loud enough and you'll get exactly what you need. And Peter said, guess what? As disciples, as followers, you've got to ask yourself every day, am I hungry? Am I hungry today? I want you to look at Mark the fourth chapter as we study this idea. Now Mark the fourth chapter, I've, I've put verse 1 on the board because I want you to understand the context of the parable that Jesus is teaching here. It says in Mark the fourth chapter in verse 1, And he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. So that you have the picture right in your mind, it wasn't like the crowd here this morning. It wasn't a small crowd where he could be seen and heard, and he was in uh, closed quarters, and he was in close uh, proximity to all these. It says that the multitude was so great, there were so many people there uh, covering the land by the sea that it says that Jesus went out into a ship. He got in a boat uh, so he could go out a little further so he could be seen and heard by all of the people who were there. That's a lot of people listening. If you've ever been to the ocean or you've ever been to the sea, if you've been there on the seashore, you can understand exactly how many people there must have been. Jesus there, it says he's, he's there again to teach. Now notice that Jesus there is going to teach the people, and that's why he was there. So he needed to be heard. And it says there's so many people, he goes out into a ship and he begins to teach. Verse 2 there says, And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in the doctrine, Hearken. I want to stop there in the first word, because this is going to become important as we go through this parable. You'll notice that the Bible says, he's, as he's there in the ship, and he's talking to this great multitude of people who are on the shore, that he starts with this word. He starts with the word, Hearken. And notice the Bible is clear Mark is saying he is there to teach them, and that one of the ways that he taught them was in parables. And Jesus says, hearken. What's he mean? He means listen. Now listen to me. See, that's what Jesus was saying. Now listen to me. See, he's gotten, he's gotten out in the ship. There's lots of people there. There's no doubt there may have been some whispering, some clamoring going on. And he starts with this. He says, now listen. Listen, listen up. Listen up now. Listen. Behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed. Some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. Another fell on good ground, and it did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty and some sixty and some a hundred. Could you imagine Jesus 
Can you imagine that Jesus has gone out into a ship? He's got a platform there. He can be heard by everyone and he tells this parable and he starts with, listen, listen to me now. A sower went out to sow. Some fell by the wayside. Nothing there. Some fell among the rocks where there wasn't a lot of soil. What happens to a seed when it falls and there's not a lot of soil? What happens? It says it springs up quickly, but there's no root because the dirt there is so shallow that it burns up. Some falls among thorns, and what happens to the thorns? They grow up too, and they choke out the good seed. And then some falls on good ground, and the seed that falls on good ground, that's the one that produces. And the plants grow up, and it produces, and some produce a lot of fruit. But fruit can be seen in the good ground. Are you hungry this morning? Then what's that parable mean to you? What was Jesus teaching in this parable? Did you catch what he was teaching? You see, uh, many of us have done a lesson on this very parable. In my mind right now, I can hear Nathan and his lesson on the sower because I can hear some of the lessons I've given based on his picture of a sower. And many of you will remember he, he does the pitching of the seed. That's Nathan. And I've followed that. and I've studied this parable. And then I got to this line. You see, Jesus taught that parable, and I wonder if you caught what he was teaching. Because then he said this, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And I've taught on this line a number of times. And I was wrong. You see, I've heard many times, and because I've heard many times, I repeated many times that what he was saying here was listen. And I assure you, that's not what he was saying. See, he didn't need to say it twice. You see, I said the word hearken was important. You know why? Because Jesus, when he was speaking, said listen, hearken. Listen to me now. I want you to look at that saying. Jesus said, he who hath ears to hear, let him hear. So I do have a rhetorical question now. The rhetorical question is not, are you hungry? That's a very serious question. But I do have a rhetorical question here. What else would you do with your ears? Uh, I've been told recently that uh, some people eat with their eyes. I don't. But my wife told me that it's important to have a pretty meal to eat with your eyes. Not me. But I understand that saying. But what else do you do with an ear? I mean, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said this. For all of you that have ears, I want you to hear with those ears. Whoa. I wonder if you'd go, hold on. Can, can we pause for a second? Jesus? What else are people using their ears for? You can't see with them. You can't eat with them. You can't talk with them. What in the world are you people doing with your ears? <laughs> Maybe I'm the slow one here because my ears are good for nothing else but hearing, and sometimes they're not even good for that. Wait a minute. Maybe that's exactly what Jesus was saying. Because I want you to show you what happened next. Because we've just heard Jesus who went out into a ship and there's a multitude of people and he tells this parable. And this parable is important to us. It wasn't just important to them. It's important to us because to this very day we use that parable and we use that parable to teach one another about the good ground and to be the good ground. And Jesus said, if you got ears, use those things for what they're used for. If you've got ears, 
than learn to hear. Now I want you to notice, when he was alone, so at some point, he's done teaching this parable. And he says, for all of you who have ears, use them. For all of you who have ears, use them and hear. And it says at some point after that, he was alone. They that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. So what have they done? You see, I ask you, what's that parable mean to you? What do you think about when you think about the sower and the seed and the thorns and the shallow ground and the good ground and the fruit growing? And Jesus said, if you've got ears, or at least those of you who have them, use them. And once he was alone, it says that some of those people who were about him went to him and said, hey, can you, can you tell us about that parable? Can you help us understand that parable? And he said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven. You know, when you think about those words of Jesus, it kind of puts the parable in a different light. You see, because we can read that parable and we can read the story of the sower, of the farmer, of the gardener, of the grower. We can read the story of the sower and we can go, there's really not any words in that parable that are too hard to understand. In fact, for those of us who are of age and have a little knowledge and have a little understanding of plant life and plant growth, we understand what the parable says. It's not that difficult. If you've seen different types of soil and you understand about seeds and you understand planting those seeds and you understand sunshine and rain and you understand those processes, then it seems like the parable should be very easy. But the apostles, the disciples, who wanted a little more, went and said, I get plant process, but I want the parable. I want the understanding. I want the knowledge. And this is what Jesus said unto you, unto you that are hungry, unto you that are asking, unto you that want the knowledge, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of God. You see, there are a lot of people who heard him that day on the seashore. There were a lot of people who were there listening to his words. And Jesus said, you see, to those of you who are hungry, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of God. Because there's others. There's others, and you know what? They all have ears. And there are sounds that go into those ears. And they hear the words coming in. But Jesus said, the words might go in, but they don't understand. Are you hungry this morning? Have you thought about that? When was the last time you hungered after righteousness? When was the last time that there was nothing else that could fill your hunger? Nothing else that could fill your thirst but Jesus Christ? When was the last time that you heard something that seemed so simple that you said, it's not enough, Jesus, I just want more. The reading of the morning, I want, to, I want you to notice that the idea of hungering and thirsting after righteousness 
was in the plan from the beginning. You see, in Isaiah, the 28th chapter, it says, Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, for with stammering lips and, a, and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. Let's not be confused here. God in his word said it this way. He said, you see, it would be real easy if this book called the Bible was written like an easy set of instructions. You ever thought of that? Wouldn't it be easier for us if Jesus has said, if you ever need money, do the following three things. One, two, three. And if you did it, money appeared, we're all good. I passed the test. Wouldn't it be neat if God had, had written us a book of instructions that when you had kids and times got tough, you could turn to page 71 and it said, when times are tough, do the following three things, and things suddenly got easy. I mean, God could have done that if you think about it. God could have just written a big instruction manual that said if you're ever tempted to take the bottle or uh, some drug or anything else, take these two steps and it'll never happen again. And then you turn to the last page and it says for the easy life, do these five things. And then what Jesus could have done was held a classroom like this and said, okay, did you study the five steps for an easy life? Okay, I'm going to pass out the test today. If you can rewrite those five steps of the easy life word for word, then you get your degree, go on about your business, you've passed, welcome to heaven. Why didn't he do that? Sometimes I wish he had. Life would be a whole lot easier, wouldn't it? In the event of a pandemic... Do the following three things and there will be no problems. Wouldn't that have been neat? But God, through Isaiah, told his people this. He said precept must be on precept. Precept on precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little, there a little. Why? You see, because if you turn to page 87... And it said there, for the easy life, do the following five things. And we took a little test and we all went about our business. You know what no one would ever do? They would never hunger or thirst after righteousness. They would never recognize their need for a Savior. And they would never recognize the true glory belongs to God. You see, what Jesus said was this. When you recognize your need for a Savior... When you recognize the mercy and the grace of the Father. When you recognize your need for the two of them. And you know that nothing else will fill the void. Nothing else will satisfy the pain. So much that you desire it 
you want it, and you go after it, that's when you'll be blessed. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Here's how Jesus said it in Matthew, the seventh chapter, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Are you hungry this morning? If you say you're hungry, then I'll say, how hungry are you? How hungry are you really? What keeps us from hungering and thirsting after righteousness? You know, Jesus told the disciples, there are some that will hear the words. And I hope this morning you're not just taking my words and saying, Franklin said them. Those are real pretty words. I hope you're not doing that. Because I assure you of this, my words don't matter, but those words do. How hungry are you? You know what we want to say is we want to say, well, there's some that are just lazy. I'm afraid that's true. The Bible would say there's some that have no desire to seek after him. We, we could call that lazy or whatever term you want. But I don't think for any of us that in this room who got up this morning and came here this morning and desired to worship and desired to praise, I don't think laziness is the issue. So is there anybody, anything that might prevent anybody in this room from hungering and thirsting after righteousness? And I'll say this, pride. See, I already know Scripture. I already live Scripture. I read Scripture. In fact, I come to church every single Sunday. Here I am. I'm listening to the preacher. When the words are spoken, I listen to them. Yeah, but are you hungry? I mean, there were a lot of people there who were there on the seashore who were listening not to Franklin, they were listening to Jesus. And Jesus said, well, see, for those of you who are hungry, for those of you who are here asking, for those of you who are seeking, for those of you who are knocking at the door, the mysteries of the kingdom of God are yours. You understand. But see, there's some who hear the words, they don't understand. In fact, they see with their eyes, but they don't know what they're looking at. Proverbs 3rd chapter says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. You know what the writer of Proverbs was saying is this, there comes a point where you think you know how to take your own steps, and feel your own hunger, and take care of yourself. I mean, isn't that what we raise children to do? Isn't that the reason that we raise children or rear children so that one day they can go and be independent and raise themselves and depend on themselves and take care of themselves? Let's see, the Bible says this as a Christian, what? You need to rec recognize that life is the reverse of that spiritually. If you've ever reached the point where you can guide yourself and you can do it your way and you can take care of yourself, then you've missed the path because you will not lead yourself to heaven. He will lead you. Are you hungry this morning? Luke, the 24th chapter, there's a story there that uh, I hope you'll go back and read. Luke, the 24th chapter, this is following uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection, and they've gone and they found the tomb empty. Um, and there's a point there where two men are walking 
uh, to Emmaus, and as they're walking to Emmaus, they run into Jesus, and they're discussing what has happened, and at that time that they're discussing uh, the crucifixion and, and Jesus' burial, at the time that they're discussing that, they don't recognize that the one who's walking with them is, in fact, the Savior. It's Jesus Christ. Uh, but at some point, he tells them, he says, oh, foolish generation, you do not know who I am. And it says there in verse 31, and their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? You know, sometimes one of the things that we are most afraid of is feelings. We want to stay away from feelings, but I want you to notice that the scriptures record a feeling that these two men had. And here's what he said. It says they spoke one to another when they recognized that that was the Savior. They recognized this was the Son of God. They recognized that this is the one who God had sent. This was the Messiah. This is the only one whose shed blood could cleanse us. This was Him. And once He had vanished, once He was out of sight, they looked at one another and they said this, Did our hearts not burn within us as He opened the Scripture? When was the last time you had that burning? When was the last time that you thought about Jesus Christ, not about this Sunday morning name, or not about this thing that you go to at the first of a meal or anything like that, but you actually recognize that the Savior is the one who gives rest? When was the last time that you thought about the fact that the Heavenly Father who created all of us and gave us those newborn babies. It's the same one who loved us enough to send his son. And you just wanted to know more about that son. When was the last time your heart burned so much that you knew you were hungry? Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. Are you hungry this morning? If you're hungry this morning and you're not a child of God, you've come to the right place. The Bible records that the Savior came and gave his life on the cross, that he shed his blood on the cross for you. And we're told that in being obedient to him, recognizing our need for a Savior and being buried with him in baptism, that we arise to walk in the newness of life. See, hunger changes a person, but the blood of Christ changes a person for eternity if you are a child of God and there's something that we can pray with you or for you if there's any need that you have that we can assist you in we'd encourage one of either class to come forward have a seat on the front row as we stand and sing the song that's been selected